This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show Podcast. Oh, he loves to fire that. What a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adori on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Wonderful! Uh, let's get ready to rumble! That's right, let's get ready to rumble because it's the Halftime Show with Omar Duri. I'm your host covering everything sport, international and local. Thank you very much for tuning in wherever you're tuning in around the world, whether it's 95FM, Pulse95Radio.com, our app, Sharjah Broadcasting Authority, even if you're chilling at home watching us live on YouTube. Hey, listen, a lot to, t- <laughs> a lot to talk about today because we have a small final <laughs> happening tomorrow. Oh boy, England face Italy in the Euro 2020 final. Who would have thought England would actually reach the final? But hey, listen, it's going to be super tough against the Italians. And the Italians are coming up strong. We're going to be discussing where it's going to be won, where it's going to be lost, how they're going to line up and how will the managers play an integral part in that final. Now, not only that, but we're also talking about Tyson Fury versus... Oh man, Deontay Wilder is off. Officially, it has been postponed. We don't have a date, but they're thinking maybe it might be in October. We're going to be going into detail why it's off, what's happening there, what does that mean for the fighters, and how will that affect the Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury fight that every single person wants to see. Now, it's been very different without fans. And everyone around the world in terms of athletes have always said to themselves that when it comes down to fans, they're an integral part. This year, more than ever, we are noticing that Tokyo Olympics is going to happen without fans. And we'll be discussing that as well on the only place to be at three, the Halftime Show on Pulse 95. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. On Oh, he loves to fire that fucking goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adori on Pulse95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Wonderful! It's time! It sure is that time. It's the Halftime Show and the only time that you're going to be tuning in at 3 p.m., on a Saturday with me on Pulse 95 Radio in the heart of Sharjah, right? We've got the questions coming in. We've got people all over the world tuned into the uh, halftime show, which I'm so, so grateful to have. Uh, get well soon, uh, Sanyo. Love you, bro. Hope you're well and hope you recover from your surgery. I know how it, fe- I know how it feels. Uh, and to answer your question, Sati and uh, Masoud, my shoulder is much better. Thank you very much. As you can see, the attire is still there. <laughs> As we see, the wardrobe change with the accessories never change, but the T-shirts is different. Um, a lot to talk about. There's so many things uh, actually in the world of sport happening. And, uh, and and one of the things that we're going to start off with very, very lightly before we get into the tactics and the strategies of the Euro 2020 is the Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder fight that we have been discussing on the show, you know, uh, through the arbitrations and through the courts, they were forced to fight. Now it is off. I can officially confirm that the fight will not be happening, which was supposed to be scheduled on July 24th. The reason being is because nine people from Tyson Fury's camp, including Tyson Fury himself, have tested positive 
for COVID. So that means the fight will have to be postponed. Now, we don't know if it's entirely off or not, but some people are saying that there might be a slight chance it gets back on October. What date? We don't know. So that's that's the first thing regarding that. But what does, what does that mean? Now, let's enter the psychology of these two fighters. Tyson Fury was set to fight Anthony Joshua. Everyone knew after Tyson Fury's dominant performance against Deontay Wilder that it was going one way. People didn't want to really see a trilogy except Deontay Wilder, who actually is reported to have requested 20 million to call the fight off. But Tyson Fury said, you know what, I'd rather just beat you up instead. So he said he would take the fight on, which meant that Anthony Joshua would fight Usyk for now until these two fought. Now, what's going to happen here? Who does it benefit? There's people that have said it might be an element of, you know, um, you, you know, the Manny Pacquiao Mayweather, except it's only a couple of months. So hopefully, hopefully we should be getting a fight by the latest, I would say, Jan Feb between Fury and Anthony Joshua, if everything goes to plan. But as we know in the world of boxing, not everything always goes to plan. Psychologically, where does that put Fury, who was ready to fight Deontay Wilder and now is tested positive? For those who have got COVID before, you probably know that it does take its toll on your body, especially the fact that your energy levels will be depleted. Saying that, Things have got a lot lighter in terms of remedies and medications to be able to speed up the process, but you still have to self-isolate and be careful. So now that means that Tyson Fury will have to go through that procedure of getting back on track. And as you know, he has put his body through quite a bit. So there's several things in this fight which, you know, it, it asks a question. Our friend Dillian White has stepped up to the plate to fight Deontay Wilder. But I don't know if that will be possible if this is a court fight. This is an arbitration fight. This is a fight that went to the courts, which means Tyson Fury wasn't necessarily interested in unless something like this had to bring it back together. But with this situation, will the fight go on? Will it be, you know, in October? I guess we'll have to find out. I think both teams are confirming what the next steps as we speak. But that's the situation with Tyson Fury versus Wilder. Boxing fans, you're going to have to hold on for a bit longer until we find out what happens with that. But football fans, you're up next because the Euro 2020 final is coming up tomorrow. Plenty of things behind that. Tactics, strategy, formations. What will the coaches do? I guess you're going to have to stay tuned for more on the only place to be at three, the Halftime Show on Pulse95. Is the halftime show with Omar Adouri. Oh, he loves the fire that was a goal. This is the halftime show with Omar Adouri on Pulse 95. Nice strike. Oh, better than nice. Wonderful. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Yes, welcome back to the Halftime Show with Omar Duri. I'm your host, coming everything sport, international, local. And shout out to everyone who's tuned in on the Instagram live and on YouTube live as well. And happy, happy birthday to Spicy. Spicy is a regular listener on the show. Always throwing in his comments, got wicked questions. And it's his birthday today and he started off with a workout. Well done, Spicy. That's my bro. And uh, shout out to Aisha as well. Tune in from Denver, my sister. Wicked. Okay, right. So you've asked for it. England versus 
Italy Euro 2020 preview is happening right now. I know the game is tomorrow, but seeing that we don't have a halftime show on Sunday, I thought I'd give you the preview now so everyone has their stats and, and, and facts in place before we reach this much anticipated final. Now coming into this tournament, England, by the way, this is another thing. A lot of people kind of get lost in, the, in this narrative, but England don't win things, okay? In football, they don't win things. The whole it's coming home thing, it's kind of sarcastic and it started off that way. But people kind of wrote that and they actually thought that we were serious. Then it, it's not, right? So that's the first thing. I just got to clarify that because I was I was talking to a few people and they keep saying, oh, the English are so arrogant. And I think, well, the players aren't arrogant and the coach is definitely not arrogant. So who are we talking about here? Maybe the fans are a bit, you know, they like a bit of banter. Fair enough. But when they come up against the Italians, the Italians are really, really tough. And coming into this tournament, you know, you're going to have to face probably the best performing team offensively in this tournament thus far. They came out of their group smashing Wales, Switzerland and Turkey in dominant fashion, getting nine points out of nine and actually getting five, uh, sorry, se uh, seven goals in... Um, and not actually conceding any when it came down to the group stages. Now, saying that, the opposition that they came up against, and this is what sometimes annoys me about like certain fans that say, you know, oh, well, who did they play? Well, Italy came in facing Turkey, which was a lot of people's dark horses. They ended up facing Wales, which were very, very challenging, and they faced Switzerland. You can only beat who's in front of you. And ironically, with all the big teams that these teams play, sometimes the trickiest fixture is not the one we're expecting as fans. So the trickiest fixture, in my opinion, when it came down to Italy, was actually Austria. Why? Because it was a different type of opposition. Italy had to have the ball most of the time. They had to be on the front foot. Well, Austria made it very difficult for them and actually probably caused them the biggest problem throughout this tournament. Now, saying that, when they faced the Spanish... The Spanish were dominant in possession and in a lot of people's eyes actually should have won that game. The difference was the Italians in terms of structure and in terms of balance had the right balance. Now, they almost don't like the game being taken to them, the Italians, because what happens is it exposes the opposition in many ways. But when the Italians obviously have been famous for their defensive capabilities in the past, their manager, who is an attacker, has his ha has had his own success. Six Serie A titles, six Coppa Italias, and someone who ironically did something incredible in England as a manager. W ending City's 35-year trophy drought and winning the most dramatic Premier League ever was Mancini. And Mancini is someone who himself in 1990 was a substitute who didn't actually make a performance in a major tournament. And therefore, he's had these small things as a coach, which has helped build up the team spirit and allow players to express themselves in ways that perhaps Italian teams in the past haven't done so. Now, yes, memories of Scalacci and Roberto Baggi and all these fantastic players from Maldini and Baresi and everything come to mind. But what is it about this Italian team that makes it very, very special? 33 games unbeaten coming into this tournament and now get to face England in the final. How will they line up? The, the, the loss of uh, Spinazzola has been something that a lot of people who probably regarded him as the best left back in the tournament is ashamed not to have him in the final. However, their defensive structure has been solid. So they will start off with Donnarumma at the back, who's 
who's probably been the goalkeeper of the tournament with Lorenzo Bonucci, Chiellini and Emerson at the back, which is a back four. They'll play three across the middle with the experience of Verratti and Jorginho and the youth and excitement of Barella playing three in the middle. And then up top, they've got Chiesa, Immobile and Insigne who have lit up the final with their touches, with their movement and with their finishing. And that's how the Italians will line up. Moving on to England. Now, plenty of things. Is it going to be a back four? Is it going to be a back three? Well, I think it's going to be a back four this time. And how are they going to play? They're going to play Pickford in goal. Shaw, Maguire, Stones and Walker will probably start with Rice and Phillips being a revelation in the England team when Gareth Southgate was criticised for playing two holding players. That is the first part of the defensive lineup, which allows the freedom for other people, such as Mason Mount in the number 10, Sterling on the left, and Saka, who most probably will play due to his defensive capabilities on the right with Harry Kane up top. Now, something I will say about this team, and something that I've watched for a long time, what Southgate, who maybe isn't the most, let's say, colourful manager uh, out there, extra, he's someone who has united a nation and proves that nice guys can actually do well in major tournaments. As a coach, he's been very well spoken. He's been someone that has been very aware of the different cultures and the sensitivity around different cultures by insisting on certain things must go a certain way. Taking the knee in games is something that he has insisted with his players that he will stand by despite other teams not doing it even in this tournament. He had to deal with certain things in the qualification with his players which in the past has been very very difficult because the England teams have had a lot of scandals they've had club friction they've had media issues well he looked like adopting a club mentality in an international setup and all of a sudden you see players from all around the country really bonding and being united and as for the media he ended up bringing the media in to be able to actually play games with the players such as darts and snooker and pool and those were the things that he started to do which kind of took off a bit of pressure off him now saying that as a coach and a manager that's not always the case because what happens with that is people will always have an opinion and if you end up caving in and actually listening to what people say then sometimes it distorts your own philosophy and belief and other coaches and managers have done that in the past. So why has Southgate been so good in this tournament? Because in the first game, he played Kieran uh, Trippier on the left of, well, naturally he's a right back, to help support Mings in terms of experience and it worked. Now England's toughest game to date was actually Scotland and who would have thought that? But most of the times people ignore the fact that obviously they've beaten the Germans and the Ukrainians and done pretty well in their group, finishing top of a group that had Croatia, Czech and Scotland. After three games, they won two, drew one and didn't concede a single goal. Now, what people criticize is the fact that they only scored two coming into the groups, uh, coming out of the group stages. But here's the thing. One thing he has done is taken risks when he didn't have to perhaps and the safest thing would have been to play other players. Taking risks on someone like Saka when you have established uh, internationals like Jadon Sancho who plays in, in Dortmund and probably even Marcus Rashford there who would probably take his place 
and on that day Saka got man of the match. So see all these factors that England have actually done has come from their manager and their coach who has stood strong with what he believes in and not what the fans believe in. So there was something that he did in that. Sterling was criticised coming into this tournament for not doing well for his club. He stuck by him and Sterling has single-handedly carried England despite Harry Kane's recent success. So the psychology behind this team has been very, very different. And what he has done is given them the time to relax and enjoy themselves away from football when it comes down to bonding and being together. So that's what I think in terms of how both teams manage. Now, where will the where will the game be won? The game will be won by the squad. And as we know, international tournaments are squad games. The, both teams are very good defensively and both teams have creative players. But what will be the difference is perhaps substitutes who can come off the bench to make a difference if, if the game is very, very tight and if needed, let's see who makes the first move. Will Harry Kane last the whole 90 minutes? If he does, then that might be one thing. But if he doesn't, which we're expecting in terms of how much football these players have played, if he doesn't last the whole game, then will that be an opportunity for players like Marcus Rashford? Or will Sterling be brought into the middle as a false number nine, giving the opportunity to, for Grealish to be able to play off the left? Now, the one thing I will say in terms of this, and we're going to end up the segment, is it all comes down to how brave the players are, how disciplined they are. We all know how good the Italian defence are going to be in Bonucci and Chiellini. But players like Mason Mount, who are yet to shine in this tournament in terms of assists, in terms of goals, this might be set up perfectly for a player like that. Because if not, then someone like Grealish or Foden can come on and change the game. What's the score going to be? 4215 do Send in your predictions to me and I will announce them on the show. I'm going to take a quick break right now. Different strokes from Lotto Ash from the UK. Enjoy, folks. I'll see you in a bit. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. On oh, he loves the fire then. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri on Pulse95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Wonderful! It's time! It sure is that time. It's the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. I'm your host, cover everything sport, international, local. Man, the comments were flying in during <laughs> during the break. I was like reading them, answering them back. Happy birthday, Spicy, one more time, who's one of our avid listeners as well. Uh, we were, If you're just tuning in and you missed uh, the first two segments of the show, don't worry, you can catch all of the podcasts on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or even if you prefer a visual, head over to the YouTube channel, Pulse95 Radio. And we got some wicked, wicked guests there as well on different episodes on the Halftime Show. Right, okay, so we spoke about uh, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. That has been called off, at least postponed for now, maybe in October. We've spoken about England and Italy in the final of the Euro 2020 in depth. If you did miss that segment out, head back and check that out. And now we're talking about the, the power that the fans have had and also... Looking at a couple of events that have been happening now in sport, one thing that is very, very evident is the fact that fans have played a huge part. I think one of the reasons why the Euros were so successful is the fact that fans have been allowed back in the stadiums. 
However, in Copa America, for example, you know, in Brazil, fans have not been allowed to attend the games. And people have said that's why the viewership, that's why the support of Copa America has been quite low compared to the usual. And everyone is talking about Lionel Messi versus Neymar, Brazil versus Argentina, where he win his first trophy um, in Copa America. That's going to be at 4 a.m. UAE time, by the way, if, you, if you're going to be checking that out. I know Ibrahim is, he's a Messi fan. He's talking about that as well. Um, that's one thing. And then you look at the, the Tokyo Olympics. So everyone's been wondering, having been pushed back, obviously, if the Tokyo Olympics will be going on or not. Now, Olympics is something that a lot of people look forward to. It's one of those one of those events that even if you're not into the specific sport that people are going to be competing in, you have a look and see, you know, people's dreams come true. But it's a very different time right now. And no fans, you know, has brought the whole world together in the fact that they haven't been allowed to go into stadiums. But because of that, people have, have, have gone hand in hand in trying to celebrate how these events have brought nations together. So whether it's the Tokyo Olympics or the Copa America or the Euros, people have celebrated together. People have had good times together. You know, seeing the, the Ericsson situation unfold for Denmark when the player had a heart attack on the pitch and seeing the way the fans, the officials, the teammates, the families, the players, the support, social media actually was a very, very positive thing at that time. Everyone was waiting to try and see if he's okay, you know, if he's going to make it through. And thankfully he did. And one of the things actually that was so incredible about that whole situation was the fact that he did get through it and the first thing we were waiting for, and I'm sure a lot of people went over to his social media to see if anyone had updated. The first thing we were looking for is the thumbs up by Christian Eriksen. And as soon as we got that, I think sport, I think life resumed for a lot of people. And that's the beauty of sport and actually the positive side of social media. But with the Tokyo Olympics going on with no fans, that starts to spring a surprise on how the athletes will compete. What's their mindset? A lot of people perform better without the pressure of fans, but some people obviously having their own families and having their friends watching them in the stadiums really give them that push. So that's where we have to kind of look at the, the, the narrative and see how these things unfold is down to the mindset of the athletes, the psychology of the coaches and expectations, especially with no fans. We see how it's been for Copa America, for example, you know, um, Colombia beat Peru 3-2 in the morning in the third and fourth place. And at 4 a.m., you're going to see Brazil versus Argentina. What kind of what kind of match will that be, especially without fans? You know, when you get the adrenaline and, and you go in for a tackle, hopefully it's going to be a football match because we know how the Brazilians and Argentinians are rivals. Maybe not necessarily Neymar and Messi, but if you remember the Argentina-Colombia semi-final a couple of years back um, there was 46 fouls and 10 yellow cards that day and everyone's going crazy but this is going to be a very very different game and I, and I look at that and I even ask some of the athletes that you know compete and, and how their mindset has changed since fans were allowed back in the stadium and you get different type of things um, who's that asking me a question now if Saka scores the winning goal will you dump Man United at Rush? <laughs> There's so many people on him sending messages. Imagine Saka scores the winning goal. What will your reaction be, Omar? Oh, man. 
<laughs> I don't. I just want England to win. I don't really care. A lot of people are actually saying that Italy are favourites to win, uh, and rightfully so. Obviously, they are the favourites coming in, so people are uh, quite confident that Italy will come up. You know, on top. Uh, it's now or never for the birthday boy, and it's now or never for Messi and <laughs> and Rashid. Um, there's another question here. Hold on, let's have a look. On a different topic, Brazil or Argentina, and will Messi finally win with Argentina? You know what? I actually think, to answer your question, Rashid, I actually think, yes, I think Argentina will just shade it. I know Brazil are, are a good team. I've seen their lineup. I've seen the way they're playing. Obviously, Richarlison, Everton, and Neymar, you know, Firmino, all these players are, are big players. But I think I think Argentina will just will just do it. Even though Brazil are on home soil, there's no fans. And I think if the fans were there, it might be very, very different. Um, what else do I have here? I've got another question here. Hold up. Um... Will it, okay, Omar, your thoughts. Will it end within 90 minutes or will it go to extra time or penalties for England? I think it will go to extra time. I don't know if it will go to penalties, but I think it will go to extra time. Right, let's take a quick break now. We've got our final segment. Keep those questions coming in, though. I promise I'll answer the rest of them right after the break. We've got some Benji Flow Deep End. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Paduri on Oh, he loves the fire then! What a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adori on Pulse95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! It sure is that time. It's the Halftime Show with Omar Duri. Omnia Saleh, I know you're watching on Instagram Live and YouTube and listening to Pulse95 Radio right now. Post the cookie punch. There you go. I've said it on air. <laughs> anyway, if you're just tuning in and want to catch the shows, don't worry. You can always catch our shows. We're everywhere, man. We're on uh, podcasts, Apple, Spotify, uh, and we were on YouTube as well. You know, SoundCloud, we're on that as well. Uh, we've got some wicked guests on there now and Omnia has to post it within eight minutes uh, so then everyone can see after the show is done. Don't worry, she will now. She's under pressure. Okay, so um, a lot of things happening. Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier. Wow, that's going to be happening in the early hours. Argentina versus Brazil. That's going to be happening. Wimbledon women's final. That's today. Men's final tomorrow. Djokovic, can he uh, reach the levels of Federer with 20 Grand Slam titles? Man, sport is booming right now uh, the Tokyo Olympics have been announced they're going to be happening but without fans so we know that um, wow there, there is a lot of sport right now a lot of sports happening um, and, and kind of so nice to just you know be able to see all the different types of things that's happening out there I, I don't want to say resume normality because you know we still have to respect social distancing and the rest of it but it's nice to kind of see it's nice to kind of see you know what's happening out there and and how more than anything and you know banter aside and it's coming home and all that kind of stuff that the fans are together and the nations are together and you saw how the whole world you know got together for Christian Eriksen and that's really really positive you know really really positive so I'm I'm, I'm very very happy that not just because this is like a fitness and sports channel mainly for the f- uh, program sorry mainly for the fact that you know, we were able to talk about these things. I had Big Hass the other day call me. What's this penalty? <laughs> I was like, did you watch the game? Oh, yes. What the, there wasn't a penalty. I said, I know. I'm just asking if you watched the game. Yeah, no way is a penalty. I said, yeah, well, you know what? That's that's football, man. Sometimes, you know, you get lucky with these things. Hey, listen, Diego Maradona punched the ball into a goal and we're playing football. <laughs> no one talks about that. 
<laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of things um, happening in sport right now, and I'm so happy to be able to share this with you. Um, just before we wrap up, um, in the early hours, unfortunately, Seb Eubank uh, Jr. had passed away. The boxing, uh, the boxer. Uh, the family of Eubank, the famous family, Chris Eubank and Chris Eubank Jr. are devastated right now. My condolences and love goes out to the families. Just another message is please don't think, take things for granted. You know, call people that you haven't spoken to in a while. You know, go hug your loved ones if you can, if they're in, you know, if they're in your house. And, and just, just yeah, just be grateful, be mindful. There's a lot of things happening in the world right now. It's a crazy time. Let's stay united. I love you guys, and I will see you same time, same place, on the only place to be at 3, the Halftime Show on Pulse95. Peace out, guys. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday from 3 p.m.